Greetings, and welcome to the audio etheric transmission, The Tales of Sage and Savant. Our tale stars Eddie Louise as Dr. Petronella Sage, Chip Michael as Professor Erasmus Savant, Emily Riley Pyatt as Mix Abigail and Whistle, and Justin Bremer as your humble narrator. It is probable you have recognized that you are not hearing the voice of Justin Bremer at this junction. It is likely to cause confusion in human cognition as your species is unreasonably attached to the delivery personality rather than the knowledge being delivered. I shall explain. Justin is currently deep in sensation with two subjects as they encounter the traitor and work to help us discover the depth of the plot against Les Chargés de l'Affaires. Unfortunately, the next entry for broadcast is due, and we do not plan on tipping our hand by revealing what we are learning. So, I've decided not to disturb Justin and instead play for you some snippets of partial activities we have discovered based on fractional records. I shall title this month's program, Divertimento. It is sponsored by Twin Star Studios and features the music of Vermian Process. And now, without further ado, I bring you the tales of Sage and Savant. <laughs> fragmented. The narrative form in which we transmit knowledge to you obscures the painstaking work it takes to assemble and convey a logical order suitable for human understanding. Some of the records we work from are fragmented so badly that Justin receives only a flash, a moment if you will. Like the brush and shovel archaeologists of the past, we sift through the detritus to find shards which we then piece together into a narrative. Since Justin is otherwise occupied, I thought I might share a few of these shards, which we have yet to include in the greater story. As near as I can tell by analyzing the clothing, hairstyles, and landscape, we are in Norway in the 10th century Common Era. The doctor, in the body of a young Norse woman, is pulling a bucket of water from the fjord. A young man with similar facial features stands beside her, also filling a bucket. I am telling you, Hagnita, that if we do not do something about it, Matthias will take our longboat and our men, and we will be left destitute. I'm sure it cannot be as bad as all that. Perhaps we can ask Jakob to speak with him. 
as if his name has summoned him, a very large man approaches. It is the professor in the body of a great hulking blonde warrior. He wears a wolf pelt across his shoulders and bears a wicked puckered scar curving around the eye socket that gives him a winking leer. Ah, and here he is now. How fare you, Jakob? I've been looking for you everywhere, pet. Uh, Agnetha, it's very exciting. Matthias is planning an expedition. I should quite like to sail on a longboat once again. Do you see, Agnetha? He is brazen about it, making plans right under our nose. We must demand home gang. A duel? Axel, you are not in any shape to fight a duel. Your leg is barely healed. Not me, Jakob. Jakob? But he is only just recovering from nearly freezing to death. He must still feel weak. I know that I do. To demand home gang now would be to invite death. Uh, we must do something. I'm sure Agnetha will think of something. She usually does. Right. So what do we have in our favor? Ten men, twenty-four sheep, thirteen... Is where the fragment cuts off. We may never know what happened other than the logical conclusion that they returned safely to the laboratory at some point after that. We have many fragments like this, but some are even shorter. Erasmus! Don't let go! Hold on! Erasmus! Petra! are easy for us to catalog and place in proper date location. I completely understand, Dr. Sage. Of course, I agree to keep your confidence, but there are some things I absolutely must inform the provost about. I have my own integrity to consider. Mixon Twistle, I would never make presumptions against your integrity. I simply think I have failed to communicate the full reality to you once again. Hello, pet. Damn door. Hello, Erasmus. Am I interrupting anything? No, it's fine. I think the doctor and I still have some things to work out is all. It can't be fun feeling like you're being watched all the time, but still, we must follow college protocol when we order cadavers. I did follow protocol. Mostly. It is the mostly that has me concerned. Dr. Gardner knows that I will have signed forms in hand by the time he delivers the cadaver. And that is quite right. Petronella always minds her P's and Q's. She's had to, being a woman in science, so I'm sure you know something of this pressure. Well, yes. Exactly. I have developed such a good relationship with Dr. Gardner precisely because I always have my paperwork in order. He knows that when the cadaver is delivered, my forms are here, properly filled out and signed. I've not once disappointed him. This is why the rules get bent in my favor. Perhaps, but you can see why this might be an infraction Mix Cunningham would want to know about. I do, but can you also see that it is not just me who would suffer repercussions? Poor Dr. Gardner does not deserve the provost's scorn. I hadn't thought of that. You can be sure going forward that I will follow proper protocol and submit my forms in advance. For now, however... For now, 
quite sure how you keep doing that. Doing what? Changing my mind. I say something I'm sure I should tell the provost of, and then you... It shows you that she is not thoughtless, but rather has a logical reason for her actions. <laughs> You'll need to get used to that around here. That was close. Thank you, Erasmus. Glad to be here in a clutch. So, where are we off to today? And so, locking the door behind Abigail, our two adventurers happily donned their Faraday armor for another trip through the ether. As Justin and I work to piece these records together, we search for patterns. We are met with more questions. Dr. Sage inhabited male bodies more than Professor Savant has female. Why do they only occasionally inhabit bodies from the southern hemisphere? Why are they so often drawn to ships in the sea? Is there some element of personality at play? If so, how? These are the questions I pose the data again and again. As of yet, I cannot answer them. As of yet, there is no discernible pattern in the randomness. What is that bloody noise? Sage and Savant have come to in bodies buried in the bloody and horrifying trench warfare of World War I. Oh dear, another war? I don't recognize the gear. Oh, not even you can know the ephemera of the future, Erasmus. No matter, we won't be here long. I don't... Oh, I see. Yes, a rather large portion of our insides are on our outsides, aren't they? Hard to bandage that. Luckily, their stay in that horror show is brief due to the unrepairable mutilation of their host forms. Reading of the horror of war from the 19th century forward made me question humanity. Seeing it in person made me wonder how we managed to survive the cataclysm at all. Humans can be utterly demonic to each other. Some of the random fragments are from transmigrations, others from Sage and Savant's present. After the brisk hike up the mountain to the hunting lodge, our trio builds a fire and relaxes with mugs of tea, chatting casually in a manner they seldom allow themselves back home in the laboratory. And then the fall kicked out with a violent spasm, drenched me head to foot in a huge tide of vomitus and stood. I was beside myself with joy. Did he live? Oh yes. Once he had emptied the blockage, he responded to treatment immediately. Oh, you should see him. Such a strapping lad. He'll win the Grand National one day, I have no doubt. <sighs> this is nice, isn't it? We should get away together more often. By normal methods, yes. I found the trek up the mountain much more relaxing than transmigrating. As many times as I do it, I still don't enjoy the sensation of leaving my own body the way you two seem to. I wouldn't sure say enjoy I enjoy is it. is the right word. It is familiar is all. I think it's one of our body's coping mechanisms to normalize strong sensation. It's not as though I do not feel the electrical overload, only that it no longer makes me flinch because it is an expected sensation. 
like a horse who has been broke to saddle. (laughs) (laughs) Not the most flattering comparison, but yes, I suppose so. Petra, how long do you think we will continue transmigrating after you've submitted your paper? In the beginning, I supposed we might be able to do so forever. But if I'm wholly honest, I think the constant transmigrating has taken a toll on me. Physically. Even with the strict exercise regime, I feel I've pushed my body into premature aging. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe I'm just tired. No work, no matter how engaging, should be the only activity in a life. We humans need art and beauty and light diversions too. I have long wondered how you sustain yourself without these things. It is not that I go completely without, but I do mostly experience them in bodies other than my own. Well, I am profoundly grateful to your father for allowing us to use his hunting lodge for the weekend. It's good to get away in our own bodies for once. Are you tired of transmigrating, Erasmus? No, not tired so much, more yearning for more time in my own frame, if that makes sense. Well, uh, my frame is hungry. How about yours? I'll open the wine. And I'll start the raclette. Mmm, cheese. We've reached the point where Justin usually pauses the broadcast to take a short musical break. Here is a short musical break. We invite you to listen to the total mathematical expressions of Vernian process.
And now, back to our investigations. There is one larger fragment I will share. We know when in time Sage and Savant have traveled to, but have not yet been able to place it in order or match to a travel from date. Consequently, it has not yet been part of a full report. We awaken in bodies that had expired of gas inhalation in a suburban American home, early 21st century. The tables bear the remains of cocktail snacks and empty wine glasses and bottles. The house is filled with the smell of rotten eggs. The front door stands open and we hear coughing out in the yard. The doctor's quick thinking got the trio up and out of the house. Now, they take stock while the house airs out. Right. Which one of you is Erasmus? That would be me, pet. <laughs> The doctor has occupied a tan and slender middle-aged woman with the brittle, contrived beauty that was so prized in the early 21st century pre-cataclysm. Skin pulled taut and shiny over bones and ropey muscle. Hair artificially blonde and cut to fall artfully around the face. The professor is tall and muscular, also middle-aged and sporting a small paunched belly and a bald spot on the back of his head. His skin is also tanned and there are deep lines carved around his eyes as if he has spent a lifetime squinting into the sun. The third member of the trio... I do not like that taste in the back of my throat. Natural gas. It will ease if we can drink some juice or eat something. Is everyone alright otherwise? Abigail is in the body of a young man obviously affiliated with the hipster party, which as near as we can tell was a social political club for young white men who liked to dress ironically anachronistic, brag about eating vegan, and work to uphold the status quo for men in society. She is wearing flannel, leather trouser braces, and is sporting an excessive amount of carefully groomed facial hair. Oh, I'm fine, but whatever is this on my face? It's stuck on my skin. You are sporting a rather spectacular beard and mustache, my dear. The kind that went out of fashion last decade. Ugh. Can we go back inside? I want to shave. Before the doctor could answer, paramedics arrive on the scene. We had a report of a gas leak. Is there anyone still inside? I don't think so. Can we get oxygen for these three, please, Martinez? Jones and Black, masks on and follow me inside. The paramedics go inside and find a fourth dead person, hand still clutching the foam they had used to call emergency services. They get the gas shut off and open all the windows and doors, setting up powerful fans to clear the air. Still need Iden, next to Ken on the deceased. Roger. You folks sure are lucky you got out alive. Sorry about your friend. Can you tell us their name and give us a number to call for next of kin? I'm sorry? Never mind. The cell was unlocked and there is an ice number. 
Roger that. Uh, they still there put cadavers on ice? In the house? Wow. You two must have breathed a lot of gas. I'm going to check your peoples now. Look into the light, ma'am. What then is an ice number? In case of emergency. Do you all not have ice numbers programmed in your phones? You need to sort that. Save them on your lock screens in case we can't unlock your cell phone. Cell phones, right. And in case of emergency numbers, save to the screen of your telephone. Oh, we can do that. How are you, sir? Hmm? Oh, uh, keeping my mouth shut and just breathing this sweet, sweet oxygen. <laughs> right, good attitude. I'll bet you have your ice programmed like your friend did. The older generation is not quite as savvy, are they? What do you think? Are they always this spacey, or is that a product of the gas? Just trying to determine whether we need a trip to the hospital or not. Oh, no. They're kind of always this tuned out. Don't worry about them. Yeah, spacey. There's a stack of goop magazines, an entire cupboard of essential oils, and enough candles in the house to light a cathedral. You folks are really lucky that no candles were lit, or this house would not be standing. I'd advise you wait a day, at least, before you take a chance with open flame. But we can go back inside. What about our friend? We'll wait here until the coroner arrives. We were able to reach Mrs. Munoz's family, and they're on their way to the morgue. You folks can probably go back inside in about an hour. We've shut off the gas, but you'll want to call PG&E to give the whole system a once-over. PG&E? All right, thank you. Eventually, the paramedics and coroner left, and our trio were left alone in their inherited home. For the first time since they had arrived, they could talk freely among themselves. God, this future is loud and very intrusive. I thought those military men were here to attack us. They arrived with such sound and fury and were dressed in head-to-toe armor. Well, yes, I can see how that would be intimidating. Our past trips to the future have helped Petra and I accustom ourselves to the loud vehicles and brash manner of folks, well, especially Americans who can be particularly loud. Would you look at this? Healing modalities? Crystals? Mud masks? <clears throat> Something called Reiki? Bee venom treatments? This is some kind of printed art? Talking about snake oil? I truly do not understand. This is a bad side effect of traveling to the future. Our doctor always finds something to covet and something to deride. If we're honest, isn't that how we all approach life? By dividing events, people, and items into categories to covet and deride? A touche. Look at this device. I think this must be the cell phone the firefighters were speaking of. What do you think this little picture of corn is for? Oh, oh. What's it doing? I'm sorry. I did not understand your request. My, it is, oh, I think. Can you tell me what day it is? Today is the 13th of March, 2020. I think this is like an encyclopedia or reference tool or something. That is amazing. What can we ask it? Where are we? Where are we now? Geolocation places you at 
15464 Calabasas Street, El Viejo, California. <laughs> wow! I wonder what other kind of knowledge it contains. Who was the ruler of Prussia in 1802? Prince Henry of Prussia was in the final year of his reign in 1802. What is the formula for copper chloride? Copper 2 chloride is the chemical compound with the chemical formula C-U-C-L-2. <laughs> this is magic! Do we all have devices like this? A quick search did indeed turn up more devices, and the three spent a happy evening asking questions of their virtual assistants. How many major wars have there been between 1897 and the present? The Second Anglo-Boer War, 1899 to 1902. The First World War, 1914 to 1918. The Russian Civil War, 1917 to 1920. The Irish War of Independence, 1919 to 1920. What are the major advances in animal husbandry of the last 50 years? The major change has been in the way in which farm animals are raised and how they live. Scientists have discovered specialized housing that provides comfort and safety for food production animals, such as cows and pigs. Dairy cows typically live in farms that provide soft mattresses, sand beds, or water beds. What are the most important scientific advances of the last century? The most important inventions of the 20th century include nuclear power, the airplane, the personal computer, rocketry, oh. transmigration, <gasps> antibiotics, <gasps> and the internet. <gasps> yes! Did you all hear that? Listen! What are the most important scientific advances of the last century? The most important inventions of the 20th century include nuclear power, the airplane, mm -hmm. yes. the personal computer, rocketry, transmigration, <laughs> antibiotics, and the internet. Petra! That is wonderful! That must mean you succeed in getting your fellowship and in being accepted by the society! Congratulations, Petra! Most important! Should I investigate further? Find out how I did it? No! I would caution against it. Once you see how a thing works, it becomes harder to imagine any other way. I wouldn't prejudice yourself. But they say transmigration is one of the most important finds of the century. Surely I can follow what I've already clearly done. Oh, yes, and you will do it. But why tempt fate? Uh, you know you do it. So now all you need to do is continue doing what you're doing. Perhaps we should put the reference devices away? They were all exhausted from the effects of the gas, so when dark fell, they found beds to fall into. It was a very large house and had five bedrooms, so they were each able to choose a private space. 
We will leave them to their slumbers now and pause for a word from our sponsor. Hello friends, this is Eddie Louise, the writer of the Tales of Sage and Savant. I wanted to come in here at the end of our story and just take a moment to say thank you. Thank you to everyone that has listened, who has come along on this journey with Petra and Erasmus. Thank you to the fans that have contributed fan art and poems and things that have made our hearts sing. Telling this story, it's the story of my heart, a story of a female taking her rightful place in the world and doing the science she wants to do. It's meant a lot to me and having you along for the ride has meant the world as well. We've got a bit of a wild ride to get to the end here, but I wanted to take this moment and say thank you, and I promise we'll all be all right in the end. And now, back to our show. The doctor, however, did not sleep. She had another surprise awaiting after she changed into pajamas she found in a drawer in her room and climbed into the king-sized bed. There was a TV mounted on the wall and a remote control on the bedside table. Huh. I wonder what this little box with all the buttons is. Oh! What is this? The television played a show that I believe was known as a documentary. Non-fiction storytelling designed to convince you of a certain point of view or idea of the truth. This one is a true relic of the 21st century. A time when entire groups of people rejected 100 years of science to stop vaccinating their kids. Leading to the disease's resurgence and mass plagues of the late century. Sage did not sleep, but watched program after program through the night, and in the morning, when she heard her friends stirring, she burst out of her room on a cloud of indignant energy. Good. You are both awake. You will never guess what madness I have learned. Good morning, Pet. How did you sleep? I didn't. I was researching. Oh, dear. I thought we had agreed. Not myself. I was watching cinematographic storytelling on the television box. What? Here, look. Petra, that is marvelous. This is like those screen tables on the yacht. We can watch more later, but I want to talk to you about the state of medicine today. One of the programs I watched explained that doctors have developed vaccines for major diseases, measles, mumps, rubella, polio, and more. These vaccines have nearly eradicated those diseases in the Western world, and they're making great inroads to doing so across the entire world. That is marvelous. <laughs> yes, you would think so, but there are groups of parents refusing them because a supposed scientist created a paper saying that they did harm. But one scientist shouldn't sway opinion that far. That is why we have scientific consensus. You would think. But evidently, these handheld computers and the thing called the internet and even TV have all helped erode confidence in consensus. No matter what scientists or doctors say, you can always find someone else that says the exact opposite. How can that be? The truth is the truth. Easy for you to say. I challenge you to spend a few hours with this little handheld device and that wall screen. It will shake even your faith. 
It seems that too much information can be just as harmful as too little. The record cuts off there, and we have not yet been able to find the rest of that particular adventure, nor the scenes from the laboratory, either before or after. I have two more fragments I can share with you before we close this report. The first is from the first heavy days after the original discovery of transmigration, when Petra was convinced that she and the professor had most likely simply shared a delusion. The doctor seems extremely agitated, and I cannot tell if her mania is a sign of an underlying mental problem or if this is just how she acts when she is excited. She is drinking a dark brown liquid which she purchased at a local soda fountain known as Coca-Cola. It is a cocaine-laced health drink, newly popular, and advertised to help relieve mental and physical exhaustion. It is perhaps because of this drink that the doctor is so keyed up. Her brain bounces from thought to thought, spinning this way and that as implications unfold. The various subclassifications of folie a deux include uh, folie imposée, where the dominant person is initially forms a delusional belief during a psychotic episode and imposes it on another person or persons with the assumption that the secondary person might not have become deluded if left to his or her own devices. Another one is folie... Simultané describes either the situation where two people considered to suffer independently from psychosis influence the content of each other's delusions so they become identical or strikingly similar, or one in which two people morbidly predisposed to delusional psychosis mutually trigger symptoms in each other. Well, that certainly does not apply to either myself or Erasmus. No, I am sure that if we were having a shared delusion, it was of a mechanical nature, not a psychosis. It is far more likely that we experienced some kind of sinusoidal plane wave, an overlapping of brainwave function, such as that which I believe is necessary for transbody nerve flexion. Whatever went on last night? Uh, don't you remember? Not a tot. I awoke in this body, recently deceased from alcohol poisoning. I found you nearly frozen. Your body apparently died of exposure. And that would explain the tingling feeling in the extremities. Quite. Then we were brought to this home via the most remarkable horseless carriage. I've never seen the like. After that, I spent the rest of the night attempting to get you to warm up. And you needed to be naked to do that work. Body heat is the best method for restoring a person from hypothermia. And so here we stand, wrapped in our respective blankets. Where exactly is here? I don't know. A large city. Perhaps Manhattan. But the clothing is so radical and, and the vehicles. This place, none of it looks familiar. Well then, we shall have to investigate. Wow! Did you look at this place? The foyer is like a museum. Look, there's a lift right into the flat. Quite posh, that. Oh, good. The newspaper. <laughs> Look, Petra, 
You were right. Manhattan, the New York Times. And look at the date. How is this possible? What? What is the date? February 14, 1928. Oh, and it says here that someone named Lindbergh has completed a successful flight from Havana to St. Louis in the fog. A flight, Petra? An aeroship from Havana to St. Louis in the fog even? What a marvelous world. Anomaly alert. This file is already in the system. Comparing original file to this fragment. Each file bears the same quantum signature. This is the location of the anomaly. February 14th, 1928. Aeroplane in the first instance. Aeroship in the latter. Researching Lindbergh history and broadcast. Thank you. 